and you thought vinyl left. You're listening to the Vinyl Community Podcasts. Everything vinyl. All right, buddies. Another fantastic episode here on Vinyl Community Podcasts. This is Concert Buddy. I am joined, and some of you may know from YouTube, by the one, the only, Matt from Prime Analog Records. Matt, how are you? I'm good. And Matt has uh, commandeered the inputs of of his daughter, Bennett, for a terrific conversation we'll get into in a second. Bennett, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Living a dream like vanilla ice cream. <laughs> so... Uh, so if you're not familiar, Matt's channel, Prime Analog Records, is just like my channel on YouTube. Final enthusiasts, music enthusiasts, and that's kind of how we kind of crossed paths. Hey, Matt, how long ago did you start your channel? Uh, barely a year. It's, okay. it's a little over a year. I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, I looked at my, my stats today. I've got almost 60,000 views. <laughs> that's outrageous when you think about how many people have actually seen that. It's, it's, it's crazy. That's wild. And, and and Bennett, what do you think with this YouTube celebrity? Your dad's a YouTuber. Like, I mean, how do you process this? And, and what do you think about your dad going on YouTube and just spilling about his love of music? You know, I think it's a great thing. The best part about YouTube and, you know, the Internet in general is everybody has a channel, you know, and no matter what you think, you you have the ability to share your opinions you know, without censorship or anything like that. So I think it's a great thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, one reason that I wanted to get you guys together, and Matt kind of, when I was talking to him, had a really great idea of, of having a, a, the conversation is to talk about, for lack of a better word, new school versus old school ways of listening to music, processing music, finding new music, all that kind of stuff. And Matt and I had a private conversation that really kind of laid the seeds for what we'll talk about here. But um, obviously, Matt and I are a little bit older than Bennett here. And so, uh, you know, the ways that we really are conditioned, but also have grown to really enjoy music are on the physical format, right? Be it vinyl, as we talk about on our channels. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure you have cassettes, CDs, like the full game. Matt, Matt you probably had eight tracks, right? You're a little older than me, right? So you, you've seen a lot of different formats. That was the first one I got, and I got it from Sears with green, <laughs> with green stamps from my mom. <laughs> and so people they'll sh they'll they'll laugh because it's like I did a whole couple of bunch of books of green stamps just to go in and get that thing, and then you go in and you drop it off, you give them the things, and then they order it, and it waits. For, it feels like forever, and it probably came in a week, but it seemed like forever, and it came and. I wore that thing out. Well, that was the glory days of the Sears catalog, right? Because the I mean, that's just that's a whole commerce shift. That I mean, Bennett, can you imagine having to wait a week for something you order like online? Like it's crazy, right? Like if you yeah. Amazon, if Amazon took a week or more, that would seem insane. You're already on the phone with them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, I mean, one of the things that's really strange. It's really it, Bennett got got my taste because she was listening to records when she was a little kid. I mean, I had a whole big, I had an 8,000 system banging Olsen, and I had Clipshorns hooked up to it when she was a little kid. I mean, she was born into that. And I played music all the time and all this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, I mean, I was, I mean, even with the photography part, I was really slow on the, on the changeover because it still was very difficult for me to understand, you know, that, you know, how digital the, the lack of tangibility tangibility was a big thing to me as a photographer as a you know as a as somebody at my age where mm -hmm. you're holding something and 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 it's like if it's air it, it doesn't have any value sure. it doesn't have any intrinsic value and i think one of the things that i really started having trouble with uh, trying to understand on the photography side and on the music side is that we can make on digital you can make a direct copy and it's exactly the same as the original. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely outrageous because what 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 I what I grew up knowing is that you have a first generation, and then you have a second generation. The second generation, no matter how great your Nakamichi is or whatever, it's not going to be. There's always loss. Each generation you extend past. That's right. Yep. And now, I mean, with like I can make a, a photograph. It's exactly the same. Exactly. 
I mean, it's and that's very hard. But to see somebody like Bennett has grown up with this understanding of what this is, and she doesn't understand the limitations that we had mm. coming through. And um, and I think it's kind of interesting for her to go back and understand, you know, where she's at now. Um, she's really like she's got a whole stereo system and, and I, she's not one of these who hangs a record on the wall and says, I've got this record. Sure, sure. She really listens to him. So. Well, well, let's circle back there, but let's let's put a bow on the YouTube piece. So, Matt, what what exactly what was the call to action that made you want to start filming yourself and talking music? What, what was were you watching other channels and saying, I can do that or I want to do that? Was it a connectivity thing? What, what inspired you to do that? I think that's kind of what it was. I, I think what I what I started thinking is I said, there's a hole here because um, it seemed like everybody I was listening to were talking about the same records, the same people um, and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, you know, I'm very I'm out there. I mean, crazy. I just made a Barry Manilow. I just made a Barry Manilow. Uh, oh, we'll get into that. I'm really curious what Bennett thinks of that. But we'll continue. Well, the thing is, though, you know, one of the things one of the things is, is that this if 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 i can be enigmatic enough with with my videos i could i could possibly do what bennett's done with me about taylor swift about making somebody interested enough to go check it out sure just just go just go stream it and you just you you throw out some bits and pieces and bennett actually really got me intrigued with some stuff that we talked about the other day because uh, during record store day actually because i was calling her asking her to check her places and me and and that's back and forth teaming up i like it oh the thing is it's like really it's it's amazing she actually got some stuff i didn't get anything for her but (laughs) (laughs) she she got something for me which is great but you know but um, and we already talked about where we got it, where I got, where I went. My, my store is a little bitty store, but, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you could tell a story about an artist, if you could tell it in a way that somebody can, can try to, what do I want to say, get interested in it or actually stream it or whatever they want to do, it can actually really be beneficial. And, and they can introduce them. Look, Joni Mitchell's, she's she's gone platinum again with blue. Sure. And they just reintroduced that. And it's like, that's been multi-platinum for, for back in, this, in the 70s. And now she just reintroduced it again, and it went platinum again, because it's a whole new audience that's come into this. What's well, that saying? What's old is new and new is old kind of thing, right? One of the first things I got, I gave Bennett when I when I was giving her records out of my collection is tapestry. Mm-hmm. Okay. She, she flipped out, and and her and her husband were sitting there going, "Oh yeah, we've heard that, you know." And I and she goes, "He goes, well, who 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 uh, who wrote that?" And I said, "She did. That's original. All all that whole thing is original." And she's like, "Well, I know every single song on here because you know how they use them com- for commercials." For sure, for sure, there's a commercial aspect to it, huh? Yeah, there's a nostalgia, but it's like you know, but it. It's it's enough. It's got enough. Um, it's timely and timeless. You know, one of those things. Yeah, that's, that's a rare thing to find anymore. For sure, for sure. Now, Bennett, your dad being out there, his self admitted he's already he's already buried the lead by his eclectic tastes. Your dad's out there making these videos. I mean, did you did you? I'm sure he told you, right? Like, how did you discover this? And and what do you think personally about your dad going out there and just laying it out there on the line about his love of music? I think it's great. I think everybody should do that. I mean, that's that's the way we learn about new music. And, you know, old music to someone is going to be new to someone else. So I think it's great. We're, you know, we're connected on social media in every way. So that's how I learned about his account, you know. <laughs> so did he tell you or did it just pop up like in your like algorithm or something? I'm sure like he told well, you. Well, yeah, so he, he told me he was going to start it and then... I hadn't heard anything for like a couple weeks, I, I believe, and then out of nowhere, there there was the first video, and I was like, "Oh, it's it's begun." <laughs> it has begun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, music comes comes from her background and my background because my father and my mother um, they sang opera together, mm. and so they have the you know, and Bennett's Bennett as she's grown up, she's seen my mom and dad singing in church. And they'd sing duets and stuff like this. And 
you know, I, to me, it's it's not it's not something that's that's abnormal because I grew up like that. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's a there's a what do you call it? A, uh, there's a story that my mom loves to tell because my dad was up singing a solo one time, and you know how at the end of the solo in church, it's dead silent, and I stood up and I was I was little little bitty, probably three. And I said, that was pretty, Daddy. <laughs> and the whole place erupted. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's like, you know, uh, music runs deep in, in Ben, for sure. Well, that's that's a great segue, man. You kind of, you, you helped me out on the segue there. So, Ben, like, what do you recall, like, your first, like, memory when akin to music? Was it, you know, your folks playing music around the house? Was it, like, through TV, movies? Like, what, what do you remember about those early uh, knowing what music was like, obviously, you know, it sounds good. And you kind of, you know, are just there, but like, would you remember anything specific? Um, going way back here. <laughs> uh, I think some of my earlier memories are probably when my dad was in his studio and playing music, just, he always played music as he worked. Um, and it's funny because it, it transitioned from, you know, analog to eventually digital with, you know, iTunes and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the way the way he listened to the music in his studio eventually changed over time. But that's probably my earliest memories is being because I was always around him in the studio um, growing up and everything. Um and I was just running around the studio doing God knows what, <laughs> but the music was going always, regardless. Watching, you were watching Disney movies on the big screen. <laughs> in the back, in the well, yeah. So that, that's another part of it was, um, cause one of the songs that sticks out to me that I remember, like one of my first like songs that I really liked that you played was trouble by Coldplay. And I love that song. I still love that song. Mm-hmm. Parachutes Coldplay is one of my favorite albums. Yeah. Um, it's a really but what? I said that's a really strong one. That's their first one. Wasn't that their first album? Yeah. Uh, I think it was their first because Ye- Yellow was on that album. Yeah, that's it. I love that. Yeah. That's a yeah. Great, that's one of those it's, you put on and just let it go. It's beautiful. Yeah. The, start to finish, it's great. But yeah, that was like one song that definitely stuck out to me that I still remember. And then to your point, you know, movies were always playing in the background. And one movie that I loved as a kid was Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron. Which is... Hans Zimmer did the score for that. And Brian Adams was the singing voice of the horse. Yeah, and Sarah McLaughlin, she did a duet with Brian Adams hmm. that played kind of toward the towards the end of of the the movie. But music uh, musical scores have always been, you know, either hit or miss, and they can make or break a movie. I think. I mean, if you oh, do yeah. it wrong, it's it really you can tell something's wrong. Well, and in, in Spirit too, like Spirit, that whole movie, the horses don't talk. Like, none of the horses talk. There's very little actual dialogue in there. There's Matt Damon narrating bits and pieces, but it's very little. And then you have Brian Adams is the singing voice of Spirit. Yeah. And that's the only time you hear any of, any of you know, what he's feeling through Brian Adams, right. which is very, very cool. That's awesome. Um, Matt, you had shared a story with me privately. Hopefully it's okay to share it here, but you're talking about talking about planting those seeds and I'll, I'll, I'll show some factoids. I actually did some homework on this one. I'll show, show some factoids what I've learned, but um, share that story for the audience and, and for Bennett for the first time about how you're trying to plant those seeds in her development. Bennett knows about it because okay. I've told her, I think about it, but you know, and if, if, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure Pam, as my my ex wife, would would talk about this. But when she, when when Pam was when Bennett was probably about I don't know I, I don't know how many I don't know the weeks thing, but um, but she was very pregnant. <laughs> I'll tell you, very pregnant is probably the second trimester. I can't do everything, you know. I was like, right. The thing is though, I I I had a pair of of reference monitors that were little little books bookshelf speakers polk audios and we'd put those in stereo both of those on pam 
as she'd be laying in bed with with uh, with Bennett in in the womb, and we'd I'd just sit there and play all kinds of music and stuff. And I played everything from classical to jazz to rock, you know. So, uh, and Pam said that she could feel, you know, the, that radiation, you know, that's going in to, into the, the ambiotic sl- uh, sac. And mm-hmm. she, you're picking up those radiations. What, but Bennett would move in there. <laughs> so she was dancing before she even had legs down. <laughs> that's amazing. See, that's why I asked that question, Bennett, because I was hoping you're going to say something like, "Yeah, when I was in the womb, I remember my no." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> crystal clear. Yeah right. Uh, but no, that's, that's that's interesting because when I was doing some homework ahead of this conversation, I found this study that said that dads are more likely than moms to want their children to like the music they like. Shocker, right? Eighty-two um, percent of fathers feel that way as opposed to 60 percent of mothers matt i mean I, I saw you shaking your head before when we talked about right. this like makes total sense right because you want to the things you love you want to pass on in any way to your offspring so they can love them too right uh, pam and i have always been on the same pretty much on the same um page as far as music um but i mean you know shocking to shock everybody i'm an alpha so uh you know what i'm I'm, I'm basically running you know this and i and i look for input you know for somebody to give me input and they like this or not like this or whatever but but um but bennett's been listening to music you know since the very beginning and uh and i and i think that you know it's it's really interesting to hear her taste now because she introduced me to some artists and stuff like that that I I would never have found in my life. I would never, and I'm really kind of stuck in my ways sure. and what I like and what I what I don't. So I'm not really pliable a whole lot. So uh, <laughs> so somebody's got to give me kind of a reason. And Bennett's really colorful about doing this. She she actually can lay down things and say things that make me go. Oh man, I gotta go. I gotta go find this. I mm. go to it. So, pretty interesting. So along those lines, I want to I want to come back to that point because I'm very curious what stuff she's recommended to you, Matt. But um, Bennett, what do you think about? I mean, your dad, self admittedly, but even if you watch his channel, has some very eclectic tastes, particularly in relation to you know like the vinyl community. Here's a Beatles record. Here's the latest you know latest greatest, all that kind of stuff. Every once in a while, you find somebody talking about Taylor Swift, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but your dad has some some very eclectic tastes, be it Barry Manilow, like he's done a recent video on, and Jaco Pastorius, who he did a, a, a very detailed deep dive uh, about Jago's discography. So coming up, I mean, I'm sure that was just normal to you, but then it's not normal, for lack of a better word, for, for the general public. How do you feel like knowing your dad? I mean, it's normal to you, his taste, but then to then find out that that's, that's unconventional compared to, say, popular culture. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really, I don't follow much of pop culture. So whatever you like, you like, and it doesn't really matter. And you don't really need to justify it to anyone. Um, I think the wider, the wider, you know, your, your knowledge is in it, you know, the better informed you are, no matter what. And I just think, like, he has very eclectic taste, but I mean, I would say I do too. I think if you're able to appreciate something for what it is and like what it could be, you know, it, it doesn't have a genre. So it's, it's left up to interpretation. And that's the good thing about music. So along those lines, uh, spill the tea. What are some of these bands or artists that you've uh, shared well first of all what's some stuff you like and then stuff that you've turned your dad on to because I can, I can already sense that matt really leans in on like what you have to say in relation to like hey check this bat you know like, if, if, if it was me saying matt check out this band from georgia he may be like eh, yeah maybe but obviously you're his daughter and, and obviously he's cultivated you know your, your interests and, and shared his love of music so i think he's you know it's a buried entry that not a lot of us have so what kind of stuff are you into and that you've shared with your dad Okay, um, I'll start with more mainstream um, and then go from there. Um, When we're talking about Taylor Swift, since we've already mentioned that several times, 
you know, all of her stuff, there's, there's merit to it all. And she's, you know, she's shifted from country and shifted from that persona to this like super pop megastar. My personal preference were her folklore and evermore albums. Now, the cool thing about Taylor Swift really is the fact that she's transitioned and been able to make so many different sounds because a lot of people don't end up doing that. Sure. They, they find what works and stick with the formulaic, you know, this is how I'm going to get that platinum record. Well, a lot of times the record companies make them do that. That's right. They hold yeah. fire because they, they don't, record companies don't like to not make big profit and they don't like to, uh, they don't like to let somebody free. They they see this formulaic mm -hmm. way of doing things, and they just say, "You keep doing it this way," and that's the doom of a lot of uh, a lot of really super talented artists. They mm -hmm. they'll die in their own you know in their own in their own contract. The contract kills them. I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, it's same thing. Same thing can be said for like movies. Now there's there's not a lot of risk taping with movies because. Hey, we'll just reboot something and we'll just retell, use the same mm -hmm. characters like comic book yeah. movies and stuff. Just recycling old stuff. Right, right. Because it's safe, yeah. right? And, and especially when there's an investment, be it the label, mm -hmm. be it the studio, it's like they want to recoup their investment and they want to have a low risk thing, which really stifles creativity. It kind of stinks. Yeah. Like. yeah. And I mean, another point to that, too, is, I mean, Taylor, like when you talk about these pop megastars, not many of them are writing all of their own records. I mean, Taylor is very much self written. And then when she has co writers they're very limited on every album um so to that point so like my other like i, I like taylor swift's folklore and evermore probably my best like favorite of hers and then moving into another mainstream artist that i really like is the weekend okay um i, I especially like how in his his later album um well later albums he's kind of worked more of that like 80s synth sound in there yeah. yes. and i really like He's trying, he's, done that. he's trying to follow that Michael Jackson sound. See, it's uh, funny you said that, Matt, because the first time I heard him was on like an award show. And I thought, I was like, is this the second coming of Michael Jackson? Because I was away from the TV and I was like, wow, what's going on here? Right. Because like, guys like Bruno Mars, super yeah. talented, super so, great. Bruno but, Mars is, is next level. Okay. Right, right, right. But when I heard The Weeknd, I was like, wow, I've heard this before, although mm -hmm. it's different. But yeah, it's wild. Yeah, yeah, he writes a lot of his stuff too. And he's. I mean, he, it was very interesting. I, I was listening to a story on how it was discovered probably a while ago, but it was a very interesting thing. And I think it was Drake. Drake was involved in that. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, but yeah, The Weeknd, I love his sound and I love kind of the creativity there. Um, I think it was like House of Balloons was his first one that I really, I caught on to and I was like, oh, I love this. Um, and then... Are you still listening to any country? I, the main country, well, if we're talking country artists, um, a new one that I really like that I haven't really talked to you about yet is um, uh, Warren Ziders. Ziders. Um, last name is Z-E-I-D-E-R-S. Um, he's great. I mean, you listen to his stuff. He just released a, an EP because up until up until lately, I'd only heard like a couple songs, but I love his sound. It kind of reminds me of Chris Stapleton, but I like his sound better than Chris Stapleton. I bet you'd like uh, Luke Combs. Yeah, Luke Combs. I, I like his stuff. Um, it's it's verging on a little too poppy and mainstream for me now. Combs, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me. Um, I think he sounds gruff, and he sounds. I mean, what he talks about is real country. It's not as no, it is as, yeah. as as somebody like uh, like uh, Chris Stapleton. Right. I, I thought it was funny. I was watching an interview the other day with with Pink, and she said, "You know, that son of a bitch has ruined this the, the Star Spangled Banner for everybody from that <laughs> point. No one outside of Whitney Houston and him have destroyed it for everybody else." Which mm -hmm. I I'd laugh. No, Luke Combs is fantastic. Um, but with Luke with Bryan, Warren Zaders, I'm like Luke Bryan is another one that I really uh, I hate him because yeah. he's like he's like the Lionel Richie of country. Hey, he's hey, hey nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. All right, chords and just moves them around. 
And it's the well, same. Well, doesn't everybody? I mean, look at look at Ed Sheeran. Oh, I mean, Ed Sheeran. I mean, so he's another artist that I he's another artist I really like. Um, but I mean, the fascinating thing for me about him. Well, first, also fun fact is, I mean, Taylor Swift launched his career really. Right. He had the album X out, or not X. Um, he had Ad out when he started touring with Taylor um, with the oh, red, like the red tour. Yeah. So like, I mean, Taylor Swift, like she's got launched on the back end of, of Rolling Stones. So that's a, that's, that's a pretty good launch. Mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran. He, with Aerosmith. Did you see that? They're doing their, their, their Aerosmith's doing its farewell tour. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw that. With Black Crows. Yeah. The Crows. That's oh, okay. Interesting. But like Ed Sheeran, I, I mean, of all people to accuse of plagiarizing a song, I'm like, that is just probably one of the dumber things I've seen. I mean, he is, he is one of the more creative songwriters I think I've seen in, in recent, recent years, because the way he plays live too, is he uses a loop pedal and he, he starts with no sound and then he slowly, he uses his loop pedal to layer on and create the track. And then he starts playing. Um, he understands music in a way that very few people probably ever will. Um, I know enough of his. I know Dancing in the Dark. And uh, that's about the only thing I know about, you know, his stuff. I've really never, never gotten into it. I've never, I've never, I've never actually dug into it. That's why I'll put it. Oh, down. I could go on about Ed Sheeran longer too. <laughs> well, hang, we're going to circle. Hang on a second. Luke yeah. Bryan. I'm just going to say this because I'm going to publicly go on the record. I was really down on him, Matt. I was at, it's at pop country. It's unoriginal. It's formulaic. everything we've talked about. But I went with a, a female friend of mine to a concert of his one time. I'm, she had free ticket. I'm like, I'll go. And there, there were so many females and so many females having a great time that I was like, you know what? Respect because that like, is the essence. Come on. Ken, Kenny Chesney could smoke those guys. But it's like for me, for me, I I like Jason Aldean. This guy is total redneck, and he is he is totally believable in everything he says. Yeah, but Luke Bryan's a total redneck too. I mean, you see them. Have you seen their hunting channel? No, no. channel they go out, and it's crazy. These guys are serious hunters. Really, it's like, but but you know, I just the poppiness of Luke Bryan and that 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 you know juxtaposing. You know, uh, the same chord uh, patterns, it bothers me. Yeah, no, I, I hear it. I think, you know, if you think back to the 80s and even the 90s, right, like popular music, for lack of a better word, was like Top 40, Bruce, mm-hmm. Mellencamp, those kind of things, right? And as I kind of searched for where that would land, I think it's kind of landed to a degree in popular country music, the Luke Bryans, the yeah. Florida Georgia line, all that kind of stuff, and, and not to sidetrack the conversation, but um, I, I'm with you. Like Stapleton, love Stapleton. I, I love like even Sturgill Simpson's another one I really enjoy that you know can kind of weave back and forth between old country, new country, all that kind of stuff. But um, people don't, and that's the thing about the vinyl community. Not a lot of people talk country, that's so why I'm kind of excited <laughs> that this got on earth. Because- yeah, I mean, another another good country artist that's she's not new, but I mean she's been around for years. But I think she's so underrated, and people don't talk about her enough anymore. Is Casey Musgraves. Sure, yeah. I love her stuff. She's good. I think she was kind of going up against Taylor until Taylor just left her in the dust. It's it's. I didn't even see them as competing, honestly, because they're so different. Like, I I saw them in totally different lights. I never really compared the two. You know, even though they're both at one point they were both country. I just saw them in such different realms. What do you What um, do you think about Kelsey Ballerini? I love a lot of her stuff. I think she's hot, but <laughs> yeah, I love a lot of her stuff. Um, she's actually good friends with Taylor Swift. And who's the one who's doing this thing about? Um, I, I I I died laughing when I first heard it talking about. He, he, you know, he's got me doing things that I'd never do before. And he's got me got me. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, wearing Tennessee orange. You know, it's, you know that song yet? Not it's, familiar. 
I you thought you were going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it, but I don't know. I don't know it that well. I've only heard it a couple of times, but you know, she starts talking about he's got blue eyes and da 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 da, and he's just, he's got me things. But he's she's like talking to her mom, and she says, "But mommy's got me doing things that I've never done." I think she's actually a Crimson Tide fan. Is and it she- Megan Maroney or something like that? I saw somebody on the Today Show talking about singing a song, "Blonde Blue Eyes." Yeah. Okay, that may be because I it was just on in the background. Could it be? I, um, called, I think it's called Tennessee Orange. I, think I, I just had a moment of clarity. Could it be a Megan Maroney? That's what you, that's that's what you said. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but right. with Kelsey Ballerini, Kelsey Ballerini had um, she had a kind of a public divorce with um, I believe she was married to Morgan Evans. Um, but the only reason I know that is because her, her latest release with, um, rolling up the welcome mat, it was like an EP, even though she's like released full length albums, but she had this like whole rolling up the welcome mat, which is kind of like a a short album of songs kind of chronicling the breakdown of her marriage. And then ultimately the divorce, that was great. Um, Uh, see, this is like getting somebody who's, who's on entertainment tonight (laughs) Then it can give us the rundown of all this stuff. That well, we- because I listen to the music and then I want to know why. Like, what are they talking about? So I'm like, when I heard what she's talking about, it sounded insanely personal. So I'm like, okay, let me realize what she's talking about here. But That's I mean, I, I remember Kelsey Ballerini when she released her first single, which I believe was Dibs back when I was in, co- in college. That was, and, that was real cute. I love that. Yeah. Song. Yeah. It was cute. Um, but yeah, so, and then I guess my last like ma- hugely mainstream artist that I, I still love is John Mayer. I mean, you got me, you got me for Christmas, uh, uh, the daughter's one. Yeah, Heavier Things. Heavier Things. That's a great album. Oh my God. And I've, I had, I wore out the CD on it, um, but I never had it on vinyl, and Bennett got me that for vinyl. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what a really did- fun inner sleeve to look at, too. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the last album, Sob Rock? Because we were talking earlier about having those synth sounds and stuff. It's it's good, right? I mean, I'm a. Oh, yeah. Fan. I went to the tour. <laughs> oh, nice. I, I saw him play it live. Um, it was great. Uh, my shorts, I stole her video and put it on as one of my shorts. I thought I saw that. Yeah. I thought, again, it's going back to, I was like, this is the Renaissance man. One day it's Manilo, the next day it's John Mayer. I thought you're just going right down the road. Yeah. I mean, John Mayer, I mean, he's incredible. He, not only did he play like every single song from Sob Rock, but um, he, he played. I mean, he must have played just a long set. It was it was probably thirty something songs, wow. and wow. it was just it was insane. It was worth every penny going there. Over two hours, then probably. What? Oh yeah, it was a long concert, um, but it was incredible. I mean, the song uh, "Carry Me Away." I love that song from that album. Um, put some of your tequila in my coffee cup. I love that line. He's really good at at weaving hooks in. Yes, mm-hmm. um, he, does it, he he does it not not just in uh, in lyrics, but he does it in the in the in the uh, in the licks in the in the guitar licks, which is it's pretty it's it's pretty rare to be able to be able to do that. The only person I can think of who does that really well, who did that very well, was Eric Clapton. And, he was uh, a big influence on Mayer, obviously. Like they've, and they've he played the crossroads festivals and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mayer's the real deal. No, no question. Yeah. He's got, he's already, he's already shown that he's timely and timeless. So mm-hmm. with, cool. with John Mayer too, like, especially in the last like two albums, one, um, it was Saw Brock. And then before that was a search for everything. Mm-hmm. And those two albums, what I really liked was like, there were so many moments in a bunch of the songs where he could have easily made their, made it be a beat drop. And the, the, selective restraint you know to hold back and keep the song drop free really Mm. like i I feel like that's a very disciplined songwriter to do that because it's so tempting to make this like big loud chorus and to have like the discipline to to really not make the song just this big bop and keep the integrity of the song in my opinion was a very interesting choice 
but that's what the greatest guitarists can do. They, the greatest mm -hmm. guitarists actually really show restraint in certain places. That's why I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but I, I say that um, Eddie Van Halen had to come into his own. Um, and I say that his guitar work, when he was with Van Hagar, when he was with Sammy Hagar, I sh it showed more restraint and, yes. and more accuracy than when he was just balls to the wall in in the first four albums with with uh, David Lee Roth. I mm -hmm. mean, he was just he was just showing off, and he was. He, look, he's got this great talent, but he doesn't have the restraint. Harness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but he was young. I mean, shit. What would you do? I mean, that's why right. you, you have to look. But you have to look and say, you know, it's easy for us to, you know, Monday morning quarterback. But really, you know, what would you do if you had, you know, the world by the tail like that? And uh, and they were the shit at that time. There was nothing. <laughs> I mean, they had put they had put the Stones on the back burner, and Stones actually had to come out with really good new new material, which actually put them back out, Pushing like yep. you and stuff like that. It really made them dig deep and make make some really great records, which I believe I believe Stones some of their stuff in the '80s was some of the best. You know, but, well, Benny, you hit on a, a, a good segue to kind of my next round of questioning here, and talking about the country stuff, and you're talking about that artist and you know her. Uh, her story of her divorce and that kind of, you wanted to learn more beyond the music, right? And so mm -hmm. in terms of your music consumption now, is that something that helps enhance or inform your decision-making, what you choose to listen to, if there's some of that, or you can go self-serve and, and learn more behind the music? Because obviously information's literally at our fingertips now. It's in our pockets. It's everywhere, right? So as before, mm -hmm. Matt and I, we'd have to go to the library. <laughs> we'd, have to, we'd, have to, we'd have to subscribe to all the magazines, Rolling Stone, whatever, to find these backstories. You can just search, right? So do, do you think that it helps enhance your music consumption experience? You know, just the fact that, like, you can look up the backstory behind the, the songs, it depends on what you're listening to. In some cases, I think it's I think it's good if you're genuinely curious, but I think in other ways, it's also great to kind of have, you know, an open mind going in and mm -hmm. keep the open mind and interpret it as you want. Because that's a lot of, that's why the artists write it. You know, they write it from their own personal experience, but they're also, you know, they're writing probably from, you know, this, the viewpoint of, I'm writing this about what was my life at the time, but now this song is going to be about your life. Mm -hmm. um, like a hand off, like a relay race, right? Yeah. yeah. It's very different now as the A&R is very different and um, the PR is very different because what they, what they used to do is they used to guard. They wouldn't tell us all this stuff. For sure. They guard the, our art, the artists that we we're, we love to hear more and more. We we would have consumed it like crazy if they could if they would have let us have it. But they didn't let us have it because they were very carefully crafting an image, a mystique behind it, right? Mm -hmm. People because they're afraid that once we once we saw what they're really like, we're like, this guy sucks. That guy's an alcoholic, just like my uncle. Get out of here, right? Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, though, it's like you know, but what what you're doing, you have the this ability now, this consumption of you know, you've got a, a group of people who really want to know. And you've got a new new set of rules, basically, that they can they can you know tell you their sob story, <laughs> you know, no pun intended, but you know, but that's you know that's what I'm talking about. I mean, they can they can tell you that backstory that you're hungry to find out, just like mm -hmm. you said. I'm going to go. I heard the song, and I'm going to go dig into it. Well, <laughs> we can dig into where are we going to dig into stuff? We can go to the library. They didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> the flip cards, the bibliography thing. Yeah, good luck, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. System. That's right. So, so within that, Bennett, like, how do you consume most of your music now? Talk talking about this new school versus old school thing. Your dad and I are kind of hitting on here. I mean, yeah. So he, he already said you had a record player. He's already got you set up. It sounds like with a rather true stereo. But like, what's your primary way to consume music right now? Well, I, I work remote, so my real my real method of consuming is I, I listen to my record player all the time. Hmm. Um, uh, I would say I use streaming more so if I'm driving, sure. <laughs> um, but I use streaming more as a discovery tool. 
because streaming is that to me is the best benefit of that. Um, or an entry point, you're saying, like in terms mm-hmm. of like discovery. Yeah, I mean, streaming is how I discovered some of the not so well known artists that I really love that I haven't even gotten into yet, but that's how I discovered them. Um, you know, it's, you know, I, I have some that I've discovered through a friend, and they're like the only person that knows about this, this band that exists. Um, but then I've also seen, you know, like, um, with Apple Music and Spotify and all of those, they curate certain playlists depending on moods and like certain hot tracks by uh, by genre. And I end up like, if I find a song I like, like I dig into the artist and see if like, do I like this one song or are they a pattern that I actually like mm. what they do? Um and so that's that's usually how I end up consuming is if I'm on the go, then it's it's always streaming. But if I'm home, it's usually vinyl. And then if if I'm looking to discover new music, it's always like I go to streaming first because that's that's the way to just figure out. It's like, oh, I've never heard of this this band. Like it just happened the other day. I, I just stumbled upon Boy Genius and mm. I'm like, oh, they're great. Um, <laughs> but it's actually kind of funny that one, like, so one of the members of boy genius, Phoebe Bridgers, mm-hmm. she sang a song with Taylor Swift for yeah, her new album, for her new red album, mm. um, called nothing new. And that song was one of my favorite new songs from the new Taylor Swift red album. And Phoebe's actually opening for Taylor right now. So I was like, huh, how interesting. It's kind um, of a launching pad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Taylor, is what, she's launched a ton of careers at this point. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's very interesting. But that's usually my pattern is I, I discover and then I listen to it ad nauseum and see if I like it. <laughs> so, so you have that approach. I'm at like my day even your day right like discovery was a whole like if it wasn't recommended or the radio right like it would didn't even touch on the, the whatever the radio is now is not, definitely not what it was back then it's just full of commercials now and that's terrestrial radio and then you could pay for satellite which is a whole other situation but i mean if you didn't hear it on the radio or word of mouth i mean where else were we learning new music man do you, do you recall any other forums yeah because when i worked in a record store i i remember um i remember that's this is where I learned, and I actually talk about this on several of my videos about digging into the credits, because a lot of people, because a lot, you know, remember we didn't have a whole lot of gatefolds back then, and a lot of the stuff was printed on the outside cover, and you get you had the track listing and all this kind of stuff, but you also saw producers, and if you saw a producer that you could make a connection with, that some that that person. It's quality. So like, like a good, I'll give you a, for instance, is like, I remember like it was yesterday when I saw Tommy LaPuma, which is a very rare, it's a very strange name, but I saw Tommy LaPuma on the back of this album by this guy named Michael Ruff. And I'd never heard of this guy. This is his very first album. Never heard of him. Um, but I bought it ears unheard mm. because of that. And I loved it because Tommy LaPuma produced all of Michael Frank's stuff. And I figured that if I liked, if I liked what Michael Frank, see, integrity has changed with people because money has changed so much. People really need to eat. Of course. <laughs> so, but, but back then, and this, I'm talking about the eighties and nineties, um, even the, the late seventies, um, you know, there was a huge amount of integrity that people would pass people around. It's kind of like, well, I'll, I'll call it the Steely Dan era. Mm, How- Cross pollination of artists and band, yeah, studio and, session guys, all that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, though, if they worked here and they sound and they did a, and that record blew up, let's say like Asia, those, those guys were off the off to the you know, race races. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, but this is also this time where you have the studio musicians coming out like Toto would come out and they all got together and they, they say, holy shit, we can do this on our own. We don't, we don't need to be playing on sessions with other people. But this is a very important part of, of you know, 
getting you through this music. And I think that that's what you know, Bennett's understanding about this for this format is that you can find these connections. And I think that's very interesting how she said that she's finding these, these artists that have some kind of a connection with somebody that she already, already likes. So she goes and immediately gravitates to that and listens to it and says, Oh man, I, I like that. Mm. Well, to your point, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because literally this is how I found one of my other favorite bands. Um, so I was listening to two Taylor Swift songs from different albums and I was like, damn, these sound like they go together. Like if you combine them, they it, it could be one song. And like it just it would be a long form song, but it would go together seamlessly. And the songs were Getaway Car from Reputation and Cruel Summer from Lover. And I love the production on both. And turns out the same producer did both. Is it Jack Antoff? Jack Antonoff. Yeah. Love him. And he's part of the group called Bleachers. Well, I hear and, and fun before that, right? Like and fun, but yeah, and fun before that. And summer, I'm thinking to myself, what was it? The, the uh, what was that? Bananarama. Do you remember that song? Cruel Summer? Cruel Summer, yeah. Cruel Summer, yeah. No, it was that Cruel Summer. Cruel Summer, yeah. Cruel, cruel Summer is what's coming up because, you know, Summer, I, I get ready for the swimsuits now. It's <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, so before we move to the lightning round, because we're, we're rounding third here, gang, um, last question for you, Bennett. Do you think that, I mean, it sounds like you're into records. Do you think that in 30 years, the physical medium of listening to records is going to be or, or any physical format is going to be obsolete due to like all the streaming and the, the ease, the consumption of streaming and, and, and so forth. Or do you think it's probably here to stay? Oh no, I think it's here to stay it's because I mean, if anything I see is could be obsolete in the future, I would think it's CDs. I think CDs are falling out faster than vinyl. And vinyl for the first time, I think it was this year, just outsold yeah, CDs yeah, for CD the first sales. time in years. Yep. I think one of the biggest problems you're having with, uh, you're going to have with, with CDs is the players. Mm-hmm. Because once they start dying, they're, they're, not, they're not manufacturing parts for these things. and They're not in cars anymore. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just talking about even in your house. Oh, yeah. They go, um, you know, what do you do? Go out and buy a new one? Uh, well, I mean, it's like DVD players. Those don't exist. <laughs> yeah, how long is that going to happen? Oh, yeah. Forget VCR. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I think, too, like, I was kind of curious as to who, when I went out to a record store day this year for the first time, um, I was dark. really curious as to, well, yeah. Oh, in the dark? You are facing that Taylor Swift, weren't you? Come on. Well, no. I was wanting the 1975 album. Oh, that was the other hot one this year. Outside of the Macho Man one, just one I got, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I was wanting the 1975 live with the BBC with the, you know, the Philharmonic Orchestra. I was really wanting that one because I was like, that has like a bunch of my favorite songs on it. You remember Uh, me asking you to look for that Macho Man, right? Yeah, and it wasn't there. It was for him. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i just feel like i was i was curious as to like who the who the main audience would be lining up for record store day i was like would there be anyone else my age there that wasn't there for taylor swift Mm -hmm. and i mean to taylor swift to her credit you know i'm i'm very happy that she's getting young people interested in records because that that's important you know even though i'm like there's so much more than just her well yeah Yeah, there's more there's so much more than just her that these young people need to discover but it's also like she's at least opening the door you know and like getting them interested in records um, gateway, but, the gateway drug. Yeah, well, yeah you have yeah. another generation who wants to consume this physical format. And yeah, to your point, yeah. I think that she's doing a great job. I think even that record, they made what seventy five thousand, and it was mm-hmm. the first time ever it sold out everywhere. Oh first yeah, time ever a record store day title had ever been on the top ten and and, and Billboard or whatever the charting mechanism is. So that's, that's oh, a tough yeah. to her. I give her a lot full credit for that. Yeah, I mean she's I mean she's always been like a huge proponent of supporting independent record stores because the the year previous she released the 
lakes only to like only for record store day. And I'm just like, she was the ambassador last year. She had much more, um, much more desirability this year. Uh, I mean, well, it was a far better record. Like in my opinion, it was a, it was a far superior record. Did you hear it already though? Did you stream it? Or was that the first so time? It was on, it's on Disney plus the oh. entire, it's the long pond studio sessions. And of course, Jack Antonoff and Aaron Dessner are playing it live with her in up, like upstate New York in this cabin. And just, it's everything I love about folklore. It's, I mean, it's just insane. It's so great. Um, Is it acoustic sessions or what? It's acoustic. They're all playing the instruments live. You know, they're they're vacillating between the guitars and piano. Well, that's the like whole time. it's the same thing. That well, it's not the same thing, but it's it's how you like to see uh, the rawness of like Eider, which Eider is one of my favorites. Which Eider is incredible. I'd never heard anything like else like that, and I dug it. I dug around on Discogs and found it, and I got it for her on vinyl. Mm. And um, and and it is. It's very interesting. It's it's a duet. Um, I think everybody should listen to this album. It's called Emotional Education, and that one is just. It's it hit it, that album will hit everybody to some degree with at least one song, because it, it covers like so many different. It, it covers the whole gamut of human emotion. You mm-hmm. know, it's She's it's incredible. Them. She saw them live in New York mm-hmm. City. So that really actually ups the yeah. Her. Yeah. I mean, they were, they're incredible. I mean, they're playing those two, like they're two girls from, from the UK and they write all their stuff and they play every instrument that you hear. They're both switching between percussion and keys, the entire set. <laughs> and they just switch back and forth and they're both singing. Watch the, watch them moving around the stage and stuff. Pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. Real cool. Real cool. All right. We're here. Lightning round. This home stretch. We literally see a home plate right in, right in front of us. All right. So these are just some fun questions. Ended on a, on a big win. Uh, Matt, this one's for you. When you're record shopping in the wild, do you ever have a, pardon my French, a holy shit moment? And if, or have you ever, have you ever found a record where you're like, wow, one, I, I didn't know it exists. I've been looking for this for whatever reason. Have you ever like audibly gasped when you no. found a record in the store? No. <laughs> no way. No way. Yeah. I got all the shit that I really, that, I mean, it's like this last one that I just got live from uh, Ronnie Scott's Jeff Beck. And I just got this the other day and it's been sitting in my wish list for, for probably half a year or more. And it's 200 bucks uh, every time. And it's always from Europe. Is the mm-hmm. only place that, and all of a sudden I saw it drop into my box. I thought it was somebody joking because it was 40 bucks. It's fuck. <laughs> Hi, hi, right now. <laughs> I figured some, you know, snatch it right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I believed it was bullshit until I actually touched it. And it's amazing. It's exactly what I wanted it to be. It's uh, because, I mean, if you saw it, they actually ran it on. It's been on YouTube, but it's, uh, I think it was a BBC or something. Um, it's on, it was on cable, and I, that's the first place I found Tal Wilkenfeld, who is the, the bass player. And she's if she, you look at her and it looks like a young girl and you're like <laughs> and she's killing it mm, you're like mm. that must be his daughter or something but no I, that's that's probably my my greatest holy shit moment but it's like usually when I go through these bins I've been I was in, I worked in a record store back in the early early or the late seventies early eighties so it's hard for hard to get me one of those old holy shit moments. I got you. All right. So this one's either of you guys can answer this one. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the news like a month ago, and I really thought this is an interesting idea. She was talking about being an old, like a, like an old, talking about why can't they have concerts during the day like a matinee, like Broadway, right? Like they have a Broadway, a matinee. Why isn't that an option? And if you go to festivals, it kind of is. So, so my question is, do you think that's a good idea? Shit, yeah. <laughs> I think so. I I I take off of work for if it was someone I was halfway interested in I'd take off work to go yeah All right, good after this I'm gonna have you guys sign a form I've got a petition going we're gonna get this across the finish line so I mean I I, I think that one of the one of the things see I I was down in I was down in Miami for years and I was like I had this these crazy music festivals down there just on and on and it's just 
Um, and uh, you know which one I'm talking about. And uh, but I mean, it was just all these DJs. Mm. There's no real, no, there's no real instruments, and there's nobody really playing anything. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, there's a bunch of hot, sweaty kids all pushed up against each other and all that stuff. That was fun when I was younger, but still, I'd go out there and dig into that shit right now because it's like, you know, there's a whole big trend of what people are doing now who are, you know, chance in my my age is that, you know, we'll go to go to Europe, pay for the price of a ticket to go to Europe because it's cheaper to go see your band that you want to see over yeah. there than it is for me to go watch Aerosmith from a nosebleed for oh. six fucking dollars oh, don't even get me started i bought those aerosmith tickets for my local show and it, it it was painful like all these farewell shows they're really getting you one more time out the door it's unbelievable i remember going to the very first farewell tour that i ever was and it was the beach boys back in 78 and they've been freaking touring for another 20 freaking Ring, ringing out them dollars man that's Son crazy all right next one for both of you guys do you guys think that shows like american idol and the voice are bad for music no, I don't. I think, I mean, that's where we saw, you know, <laughs> countless people come through. I mean, Carrie Underwood's a huge one that came out of American Idol, Kelly Clarkson. Um, I think the fix is in, uh, here's the problem is that, is that you've got, you've got producers who are there. I, it's the same reason I'll go to the same kind of thing is uh, this America's you know next top model bullshit <laughs> because I know all about what it's about because I've been doing it for 30 years. Mm -hmm. When I started seeing that shit and Tyra Banks, shame on her for doing what she did. And she started making people believe that everybody can be a friggin' model, mm -hmm. you know, and look, I love this all inclusionary idea. I'm, I'm waiting for the day that NBA will let me get out there and, <laughs> and go against Stephen Curry. You know, I, I, I box him out. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's a different level to this. And the problem is, is that it gives people um, false hope. Yep. Yeah. And it, it, it will, it's wait till you see what, what the, the four covers of, uh, Sports. Oh, oh I, I, I've already seen it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Right. I mean, it's got people talking. I'll give them that. But yeah, yeah well, my, I mean, my only issue with with those shows now is in the in the age of social media, it's saturating the market even further with people that don't have any business doing it. Like, you know, there you're gonna find people. I mean, like Morgan Wallen's a recent one that came off of one of them, but. You know, the the issue is like you're also you're making them harder and harder to find because in the age of social media, every everyone just wants, you know, how am I going to get to make money as an influencer? Let's get on TV. Let's just go in front of a camera Get on YouTube. Right. <laughs> like Morgan Wallen is an amazing talent. I really like his stuff, but he's got to stop with this drum machine shit. Mm. It's, it's like it's like teeny bopper stuff. If you're going to if you're going to play with the big boys. Get out there and really play with the big boys. Don't you know you can't you don't you can't dip your toe in the water and say you've been swimming. You know, get out there and dig in and make it happen. These guys, these guys that that Chance and I were watched at fairs and stuff like that. These guys went through the the mill. Well, it's, they, Malcolm, it's ten thousand hours, right? I mean, it's that's how you really true blue refine your act and really like. These guys, I mean, they would put in the hard yards and boy you could tell i mean it's like whether it's raining where it's 100 degrees they gave their they gave their fans what it's really about and the thing is i think that one of the problems right now is that you got somebody like a justin bieber who kind of slipped through the cracks and all of a sudden bam he's a giant star and it looks like everybody and their brother wants to try to do it that way and it's Kirk, that's true. You know, the thing is, though, you know, you burn out pretty hard, too, just like he did. Um, and, and you know, who's to say, you know, I wouldn't have and, and you wouldn't have. I mean, it's like it's, you know, to have that kind of stardom, it's outrageous. And I mean, I saw him multiple times at many different clubs down in Miami and just being a total fool and, uh, you know, just not looking like an artist. And back then, back, like in Gino Vanelli's day, they wouldn't let you do that shit. Right, right. out there with a big hook pulling you pulling you out, out of the club you know so yeah all right last two quick ones so bennett 
you've got records, you got a record player. How big is your collection? I think at this point, gosh, I don't even know how to put a number on it because it's grown kind of exponentially um, over the past oh, you know, six months. Over a hundred, is that safe to say? Getting there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right on. And then last one I got for you too, Bennett. So as, as I'm sure you're the number one fan of the Prime Analog Records YouTube channel. He's really diversifying lately and he's doing some cooking, showing some recipes. Is he a good cook? It's just me and you talking. Is your dad a good cook? Oh, yes. He's very good. <laughs> yep. He absolutely is. <laughs> the rumors are true. The rumors are true. Awesome. I, I cooked her almost every meal for her whole life. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that's amazing well, well i'm so appreciative of you both for your time for this conversation i think it was a lot of fun hopefully you did too um again if you want to check out matt's youtube channel for food and music it's it's a power power pack punch of both it's prime analog records and he was gracious enough to invite his daughter bennett for this conversation so thank you both for joining me i really appreciate it awesome thanks guys thanks and this thank is it you. And that was another trip around the turntable. Thanks for listening to Vinyl Community Podcasts.